0: You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. As a people-pleasing workaholic who suffered from mommy guilt and walked through life with false confidence, Sherilyn found she was burned out, spiritually empty, emotionally drained, and sleepless. Transformation came through a process where God pried open each and every finger in the tight fist she held, for in it was what she falsely believed defined her happiness and identity. Wow, Sherilyn. Tell us about your previous life and what events led to this incredible transformation. And by the way, it's great to have you on the program.
1: Oh, thank you, Brian. I'm so glad to be here and honored to be a part of what you're doing and how you're helping other people's stories bring others hope. So Mm -hmm. thank you. You're welcome. The catalyst moment was probably eight years ago. And I had left one job that I was very successful at in my own pride of thinking I was deserved better than the station I was in. And I left to go work for a startup. And I was there for about nine months. And it was just a horrible fit for a lot of reasons. And it was that job that at the end of February, it was the last Friday in February, super cold. And I was a consultant. So I was working from home. And I'll never forget the phone call. When they called they say, I'm sorry, Sherilyn, your position has been eliminated. And in that one phone call, my family lost 60% of our income. Wow. My husband had a successful job. I just made more money than he did. And so we lived outside of Washington, D.C. We had a two-family income. It was partly required to live there, and then partly we had grown accustomed to our lifestyle, and so we'd kind of, you know budgeted some luxuries and some things that we had just earned along the way, just through hard work. And in that moment, when we just lost 60 percent of our income, I tell you what, this fear completely froze me. For those of you who are wrestling with that 60% number, yeah, the questions that you're wondering, how are you going to do this? How will we even pay the bills? Is it going to be okay? God, are you there? Like, hello, can you help me? All of these questions just completely filled my mind. And in, in a set, in such a way that I couldn't even think of anything else. No, know, when I was completely paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So that was the catalyst moment. And I've been a church girl my whole life. I was in church in the womb. (laughs) My husband and I were financial certified through Crown Financial. So we knew the stewardship principles and we did have a small nest egg that we could tap into during this time. But still, it wasn't enough. As much as we cut and we cut and we cut and had to change our lifestyle drastically, We still didn't have enough. And so I got to experience with real hands-on experience of what it looks like to have God be my provider Mm. because we didn't have enough. Mm -hmm. I got to see him multiply things that just didn't make sense. I got to see him show up with checks in the mail that matched the electric bill. I got to see him really show up in a way. And so I got to experience a personality of God when he says, I am your provider. I knew that in my head, but it wasn't until this experience that I knew that in my heart. Because I could actually see it and I could taste and see that he was good and a real experience in my life. So that was the catalytic moment that knocked me on my bottom. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, Lord, I need you. Because for the entire part of my previous life, we'll call it that, I was doing it myself. And it was, here's my plans, Lord, please bless it. And there have been a few times when I've had to surrender things. I went to law school, wanted to practice law, and that was not the direction God had had. So he very loudly closed that door. So there were times that I had to take plan C, (laughs) but still it was a matter of, okay, God, I'm leaning in, I'm listening to your direction, but it was not nearly as intentional as it was when there was no other option.
0: Isn't it sad how you've got to get to no other option?
1: Oh, why? Why do we do that to ourselves? I don't
0: know. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah, so you came to this place where you had to totally rely on God's promises, where they were kind of these promises that were yes and amen, yeah, I believe that, I grew up with that, It became incredibly real for you in that transition. What were some of the things that you struggled with and then had to uh, let go of during this time?
1: I had to let go of control. There was nothing that I could do. And I think as type A doers, who God has just built in me the let's get it done, that there were things that I just like, there was nothing. He wanted me to sit and wait. And I had to let go of what I thought I wanted to be when I grow up, because I had all kinds of dreams for myself. And some of them, I do believe, you know, God put in my heart to send me on a direction so he could use certain skills, mm-hmm. but it was not the ultimate plan, right? It was not the, the plan that says, Hey, you know, say yes to me and let me do everything. And so there was a time during this time. Layoff when I was sitting on the couch and I was working with a headhunter, and this amazing job came along. It was the job, Brian. It was the job that would have meant the title, the money, the everything, except it had an hour and a half commute one way. Oh, wow. In Washington, D.C. traffic, which is horrible, by the way, for any of you who've ever been there, you know that. And There was zero family life. And the whole reason I took the startup job to begin with, which was, I know, a risk to me, was because it put me at home with my family. And here I'm looking at everything on one hand, yet nothing on the other. And it was just, I just heard the Lord say no. Mm. And I knew in my heart the answer was no. But this was everything I thought I wanted. And so that was something that I just had to let go of. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were other things that happened along the way. God called us out of Washington, D.C. and moved us to Colorado. And so here's another finger that's pried out of my fist is I grew up, you know, in the Washington, D.C. area. I had friends and family there. So now I'm being asked to go to a place I don't know and meet new people. And I'm an introvert. So meeting new people is already outside of my comfort zone.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate. <laughs> so,
1: you're right. Right. <laughs> So, you know, it could be embraced as a season of hiding where, yes, you know, I get to hide and not know anybody and that's (laughs) totally okay with me, but that's not how you build community. And so I had to let go of my community. I had—I was a worship leader during that season and I lost my hearing. What? It's kind of hard to pick your part when you lose your hearing.
0: Wait, let's talk about that. Yeah. What happened there?
1: All I can tell you is when I went to get my hearing checked, because I was standing on stage once, one particular practice, and there was one worship leader who I had to work really hard with to blend. It just, it just, we weren't a natural fit. There's some people, it was just a natural fit. We could flow really easy. This guy was dif- difficult for me to sound good with. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I was singing with him, and I was just getting in my flesh frustrated because he kept stealing my part. And I was like, okay. So I kept you know, going into my head, trying to find it. And I couldn't find it. Singers have the ability of finding, if if they're naturally gifted in this, finding their part. And I had lost that. Mm. And then I'm asking the sound guy, turn up the monitors in my ears. You know, turn up the monitors on the floor. I can't hear myself. I couldn't hear the other person. I couldn't hear the other person. I was like, what on earth is wrong with me? So I went to get my hearing checked because, like, what's happened? And she basically said that what had happened was – the sound that was blaring at me had damaged my hearing and in such a technical way that those little fibers inside of the ear don't grow back. Mm. And so I have a percentage of hearing loss because of that. And I have not, and that was just a season where I don't know that God asked me to step down from that. If he did, I missed it. But here I was in a place where this is my gifting. I've been standing on stage singing since I was 13 years old. And here I was in my not 13s anymore, like closer to my, you know, late 30s. And this was not an option anymore. And here's a piece of my identity that I had to let go of. Because who am I unless I'm serving in this way? And still I can tell you I struggle with finding harmonies.
0: I want to circle back to that key word identity. Obviously. From that experience and so many other components of this transition, it sounds as if God was stripping so much out of your life that you called yourself and identified with, correct?
1: Yeah. And if I think back, it's been my story for the last two or three decades Mm. of constantly being who are you and thinking of I knew who I was. And it wasn't until I hit the bottom of that pit that I realized I don't know who I am. And he had to rebuild me based on who he called me to be because in, in the season before I lost my job, I lost my dad to cancer. Mm. I had no job. I, at that time, not the best wife or mother. I just lost my calling quote unquote, because I was thought my gifting was in worship leading and There was just all of these things that God was, you're right, stripping off of me. And some I had to give up unwillingly, tightly fisted. Like, I don't want to let this go. I didn't want to let go of my community. I didn't want to let so everything about me, East Coast girl, from the, from this area, all of that stripped away and I'm left with nothing. And, you know, I had this dream in this season. And I remember um, my dad he owned a heating and air conditioning company. So I was familiar with the uniforms that the guys would wear. And so I had this dream of me in one of their uniform shirts, right? So the company name's on the one side and then the, your name is on the other side. And the name of the company was ripped off Mm. and it was this big, huge gaping hole. I'm like, what's with that? And so that was the first dream. And then the next dream that I had was of me wearing an Eagle Scout uniform and, It was covered in holes because every patch, every earned patch, Brian, was ripped off. Oh, wow. And so here's this uniform with holes in it. And as I took those dreams to a dear friend of mine, and we were processing this, what was happening in my life against this backdrop of what God had just shown me in my dream, you're right. Identity was something that was coming up because it wasn't something I could earn. It was something he had to give me. And that's when those promises of God really, really become important. Because when you know what God says you are, when you know who God says you are, then no one else can change it. No one can strip it away. And so I've come out of this season with an identity that God has given me, that God has spoken into me. And it doesn't matter what my circumstances say, because he has spoken. And he has said, this is who you are.
0: So you have this identity getting stripped away and then you have the Lord speaking his truth to you about who you are. What was the first thing that springs to your mind to share that helped in that transition with respect to identity? What really anchored you and started to anchor you into that new identity?
1: The word. He began to show me how to pray in a powerful way. And the word that comes to mind is he made me a warrior. Because despite all of my circumstances, what I dove into was the word. I had nothing else. And so he began to highlight the word that would jump off the page to me is the Lord will. I am. And so I would begin to hold on to any and every verse that says the Lord will provide. The Lord is your protection, whatever those verses were that he attributed, you know, that he is peace, all of these things that he would attribute to himself. Mm -hmm. He started with who he is first, because I was nothing. And so I could be like, okay, this is who you are to me. And so I would hold on to those promises and be like, all right, my circumstances don't show anything about provision, so I have to hold on to you for yours. And I would use all the examples in the Bible of all of these people Widows and who had nothing, and we're going to eat their last meal, right? And then God showed up with a strategy for how they could make a cake and be fine, you know, like, and like all of these things. Like, okay, Lord, you did it for her; you can do it for me. Yeah. And so there were those things that I was like, I had no testimony for myself, so I had to hold on to theirs. And then I would be attracted to stories similar to what you're providing people with all these amazing podcasts you've done so far of. Hey, here's somebody else's story that you can hold on to that you can anchor to because their story gives you hope that God can do it again. And so he started me in the word. He started teaching me how to pray and how to powerfully use the word as a sword against my circumstances. It did, you know, it didn't necessarily make my circumstance change immediately. But it began to build in me the strength that I can lean on you, God, and that you are all that I need. So when he says to the Israelites, you know, when when Moses is like, who should I tell them you are? He says, I am that I am. Well, that's all we need. What do you need? (laughs) Then I am that.
2: (laughs) I love it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) In learning how to pray, what's one of the biggest takeaways that you share with people when they ask, okay, Sherilyn, tell me how to pray
2: then?
1: one of the things that i share most is to find a promise from god that you need right now and stand on it mm-hmm. and what i've done for the people that i serve is i have put together and and i wrote these these are i wrote five prayers in, during this season and i wrote them out and stood on the promises of god and we're like this is what i need from you god this is what your word says and so I wrote those, I call them declarations. And so they're each about two minutes long. So they're not little post-it note sayings that you can put up on your mirror or in your car. These are powerful prayers that will shift your heart towards heaven. So I can make those available to your listeners. I would be glad to do so.
0: Yeah, go ahead and share with us what URL to go to while we're in the middle of this convo.
1: Yeah, so it will be my website. So deckercom so that's C-H-E-R-L-Y-N dot rcom forward slash real faith. And that will be for your listeners. It'll be a page just for them to go get that so they can remember, ah, real faith stories. That's right. That's the forward slash. So, um, yeah, and I'll make sure you have that for your show notes.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So you are declaring the word of God through these five different prayers. Mm-hmm. What starts happening as you do this?
1: your circumstances began to change because what kept the Israelites in the desert for 40 years was their grumbling and complaining. So when we focus on the word of God, we begin to declare what he says over our circumstances, things begin to shift and they begin to change. And so while we don't always know what that's going to look like, the inner work that comes out of that is such a transformation. Because when we know what the Word of God says, we speak with His power and His authority over our circumstances. When Jesus says, He, when He taught us how to pray, He says, as in heaven, on earth. So if God's heart it says one thing, and I'm bringing His heart down into my circumstances through prayer and declarations, then I'm asking for what God's heart is in heaven to be manifest on earth. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. Through this process, you have created a four-step framework called ROAR, or Unleash Your ROAR. Please go through each of the four components.
1: Sure. So the first R is respond to our circumstance, and that's using those declarations. And so that would be the first step that we've kind of already talked about. The second letter In the ROAR is O, and that stands for overcoming, being an overcomer of the obstacles in our life. Here's what I'll share quickly about that. We are all, when we learned how to drive, we're warned about potholes because what happens? You hit a pothole, you get a flat tire, and you're stuck on the side of the road, and you've got to wait for maintenance, or you got to change the tire, or something like that. We're taught to watch out for potholes. In our normal everyday life, we're not taught what those potholes are, and they're different for all of us. They're different for you know. Some people might have a a pothole that is bitterness or offense or unforgiveness. So when we are when we know what to look for on the road, we know how to look for potholes in our life. We need to also learn how to look for those things so we can overcome the obstacles. Because when we happen to see that oh bitterness is rising up in me, then I know I have to go deal with that. Mm-hmm. That's the O oh piece and A is apply the lessons we've learned from past seasons. I want you all to be so encouraged that the trials that we walk through have keys to breakthrough in them. If we look at our trials differently, if we find the story, if we find the lesson that they're trying to teach us, it sets us up to go through the next trial more quickly, more powerfully. Because our trials are meant to strengthen us. They're meant to help us persevere. And so when we learn to apply what we've learned from past seasons, then we can then be strengthened to move forward. And so that works practically for me in ways of, we talked about my identity. When there are things about my identity that bubble up, I could be like, oh, no, 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 because the Lord says. And so I've already walked that lesson. So now when the identity monster tries to come and steal my promise from God, then I'm like, Oh, no, no, that's not, I mean, it might not, the timing might not be right now. And so I can still, you know, release that because I've been through this process. The beginning of July, my husband ended up in the emergency room for a swordfish allergy. We didn't know he was allergic to swordfish. He has swordfish for lunch. And next thing you know, he's like, you know, full blown allergic attack and he's in the emergency room. Well, that bill was five grand. Hello. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, who has that floating around these days during the middle of coronavirus? So Here we are. Okay, God, how are you going to provide for that? But I don't have to ask how. I can say, God, here's $5,000. I know you're going to provide for that. (laughs) (laughs) So it just changes my perspective because I've applied what I've learned from previous seasons to what I'm going through now. So the last R is reveal your story with others. And this is what you do so beautifully. This podcast that you have provided as an opportunity for people to share their stories of everyday life, walking through difficulty, because what we don't realize is when we triumph over something, our story says it is possible. And if it happened for me, if it happened for you, Brian, then it can happen for someone else who's listening. Right on. And our stories are meant to help other people find their way to breakthrough. And because they can do that, we have a responsibility to share it. And so I want to encourage people who are listening that you don't have to wait for your trial to be over. Not at all. You can start by telling your story to somebody today over lunch, over a phone call and journal to God about what he's done for you. And think about who your story can help, because when you have a story to share, God will bring people in your life who need to hear it. And so that's Roar. And what's so powerfully about that is when we put it together, it really unlocks something in us. It unleashes something in us. It's that power of what God did for us. And then if you can picture the scene in The Lion King, the difference between Simba as a cub trying to learn how to roar, and he's just got this purr. That sounds like a little hurt kitten. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the movie, he stands with this powerful roar that is just absolutely unreal. And it will shake the entire valley. When we begin to speak with the truth of God's word, with the understanding that God has moved all the obstacles out of our way because he's shown them what they are, we've learned from our past experience and we're sharing our story with others, it comes out of us as a powerful expression of what God has done. And i tell you what, the enemy doesn't want to mess with that.
0: No, because it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of the letter of his law, his word to fail. Isn't that wonderful?
1: Mm. Mm, That's
2: good.
0: Now, what I'm curious about here is you made this transition into full-time coaching. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did that transition occur, and what have you been working through as you do this?
1: So the transition happened when I was in my pit, and I had hired a spiritual director to help me walk through that season. We were just walking through, okay, what are your strengths? What has God given you? Because in the wilderness, God says to Moses, what is in your hand? And so here I was in my wilderness season and what's in my hand, nothing. And so we challenged that narrative that there was nothing in my hand. Mm. And I realized what I was good at was building people. The entire time I was in corporate America, the entire time I was at a startup, the entire time I was a mentor to other women through Bible studies or whatever, what I really was good at was building people up. And so the natural outpouring of that gift is to be a coach. And so that's how I kind of got into that is realizing that that was my strength and helping people see who God says that they are and help them hear from God for their own lives so that they can move forward in the purposes and plans he has wrapped around them. Because that's the beautiful thing about the word is it's not just the purposes and plans he's called for us, but that we were created for those things like, oh, I have an idea. Let's go do this. And oh, you know who'd be the perfect person for that? Brian. So let's create a Brian and wrap him around this purpose and calling so no one else can do it but you.
0: And that's hard, isn't it, for people to accept? Oh, yeah. Why do you suppose that is?
1: Because of the outcome. I'm a control freak, so I like to control the outcome. I like to know that A plus B is going to equal C. And if I do the following steps and I read the book and I implement the process, it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Yet there's so much lack of control. When God says, how about you do it my way? Because I created you around this purpose and I created you around this plan. And so there might be a unique way that I'm asking you to do it. It doesn't mean the gurus are wrong. It doesn't mean the books are wrong. But when you wrote your book, you came at it from a different perspective that God gave you. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing, we have to lean in and say, okay, God, who are the people that you are drawing me to? And that's the scary part sometimes, is we're asking to let go of the outcome and let go of marketing efforts that sometimes don't work. And I mean, that's why I'm honored to be connected with you, because I know this is a gifting that I hope you impart into me. <laughs> 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 because to have to trust the Lord with an area of weakness and be like, okay, God, the cupboards are bare. I have no clients right now. And to sit there for an entire month or two or three or four and with no clients, and you're like, God, you called me into this. Where you call, you provide your, you know, your bill if it's your will. <laughs> you know? Like all of those things, I'm reminding him, hey, this was your idea, remember? And then I have to trust him. And the next thing you know, I get four clients in one week. And I'm like, I didn't do that. I did not do that.
0: Oh, I can relate. I did not do that. You did it, Lord.
1: Yes. And that's exactly what he wants. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes he laughs at me when I try to do something and he's like, Oh, you're so cute. (laughs) 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 Just sit back and watch me show off. And he just loves that.
0: Yeah. The two words that keep springing to my mind are grace over grind. Mm. And I didn't coin that phrase. That's Shea Bynes book during this movement and transition over to coaching. I would suspect that when you started, you started maybe with some grind, and Mm -hmm. maybe you've transitioned over into the grace side. Help me understand how you've made that transition.
1: Messy. (laughs) (laughs) Messy. My least favorite word in God's dictionary is process. And so I think he likes to show the type heirs of the world that are striving isn't his way. And he wants us to surrender. And so I've learned to surrender quickly. Like, okay, God, I thought I heard from you about these Facebook ads, yet I've given Mark Zuckerberg way more money than he deserves, and it has no output. So how why did I go wrong about this? And then he's like, okay, I'm glad you asked. So it really comes down to, Lord, I want to make sure I'm in alignment with what you're calling me to do this season. Mm-hmm. And for coaching that has evolved and have been better, I'm far better one-on-one. I love that. That's my zone. That's my niche. When he begins to call me and say, okay, now I want you to start speaking. And then I'm like, yeah, me and I got to cold call people. I mean, I'm not good at that, God. Like that is so <laughs> not. And so then the fear monster comes in and starts to rob me of my calling and rob me of my purpose because it's starting to say that you're not enough. Well, God knew that. I think that there's these statements that we make in Christian culture that God doesn't call you equipped he equips the called. And we're like, "Oh man." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought I had it first. No, you've got it because you're called.
1: Yes. And so that means that for a little while you got to go after those negative thoughts that lie to you that say that you're not enough, that say that you're going to mess this up. And it's okay because we learn a lot through failure and as much as I don't like to fall on my face, I've done it enough that I ought to know that that's how I learn.
0: So now when you're falling forward on your face, you've got a semi smile on it.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. I laugh. I do laugh a whole lot more when I'm like, you know, I remember when I had made this big investment into my business and it was a total flop. And then all my entrepreneur friends were like, yay, you checked the box. (laughs) Because it's some sort of like rite of passage. Like, oh, yeah, you're a real entrepreneur now. You did something and it failed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's great to have friends like that, huh?
1: Yeah. Yes. The speak truthers. I love this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to circle back on something you said that I think is so powerful. When you said the Lord said, I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you asked me. Why? Do we always, and I put that in air quotes, tend to ask last instead of the first thing is we stop and say, okay, this isn't working. Something's not right here. I need to go to the Lord quickly and get his wisdom on this. Is it just
1: habit? Yeah, I think that's culture too. And I think that that's a shift is happening. And I think there are enough kingdom entrepreneurs right now that are like, God, I'm not doing this. Like Moses, I'm not going unless your presence is with me. I'm not moving forward today. I'm not getting off the couch, if I could be so bold, unless you're with me today. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that looks practically scary. I mean, all the people that teach you how to plan your day and be more effective and and have all these healthy habits and all the books that are written about that, which are wonderful, and some of them are God-inspired, sometimes he takes us through a season of, I want you to do nothing but rest in me and lean into my voice so I can teach you how to hear me and how to follow me and how to trust me. It's the craziest thing when God shows up to fishermen and says, go out again and cast it on the other side of the boat. They're like, Lord, really? We're fishermen. We kind of know what we're doing here. And he's like, I'm God. Yes. (laughs) Yet we're like, I've been fishing all day. And he's like, I know and it didn't work, did it?
0: Yeah. In that story, they say, okay, Because you said it, we'll go ahead and do it. And you can imagine it was in their mind.
1: Absolutely. They were rolling their eyes. They were like, okay, whatever. We will pacify you, Lord. We will show you that you don't know what you're doing. And then they're shocked. Right. (laughs) So I'd like to think that I'm getting better in coming to the Lord and being like, hey, not just with the big decisions when it comes to like making investment into my business or when it comes to like, you know, hey, Lord, I need clients, but with every little single step. And I've been taking this month off just to kind of spend more time in intentional sabbatical and not necessarily doing nothing, but just really stripping away everything else and only doing what God has asked me to do. And I'm taking this class right now to get some certifications uh, renewed. And I'm sitting at my, on my couch and I'm reading through my school materials. And in the meantime, on the other hand, we just moved into our house six months ago. So I have tons of stuff on Facebook marketplace. That's for sale. And I have somebody coming to look at a china cabinet sometime in during the day. And I'm reading my materials and I hear the Holy Spirit say, how about you go move the car out of the garage? Because they're going to be coming any minute now. And I'm like, okay. So I move the car out of the garage I get everything ready for these people to come see. And on if as soon as I didn't finish all that, they pulled in the driveway and I was ready because the Holy Spirit told me to put my book down and go like, really? Yeah. He cares about the smallest little hair in our head. He cares about the fact that I have to sell furniture and that I have other things I have to get done. And so he ordered my steps. If we'll just lean in and let him lead us, then we'll be far off better. And then he'll there'll be seasons that he'll say okay. Now, now you're in the promised land. Go.
0: We need to give him space to speak, right?
1: Right. And when we're in these wilderness seasons, these prepping, this, this season of testing and development, and even in the seasons of our business, when he's transitioning us and he's like, okay, there's some, I want to level you up. And so there's some testing I want to do in your faith. There's some testing I want to do in your business. Where am I not trusting you, God? Because where I'm not trusting him is where I'm going to have grind.
2: hmm
0: Now that you are in the coaching arena What are the biggest challenges that you see your clients facing that you deal
1: with consistently? They deal with lack of confidence, and sometimes that's in a new area or in a new project. Sometimes it's definitely some identity and places that God is realigning their life into a new season, into new purposes and new plans. And sometimes that is out of our comfort zone. I mean, the common theme out of the couple of clients that I've just spoken with over the last week is I tell you what, God is doing some new stuff. And the word that would come up as a constant theme is there are new wineskins being developed in every industry that I have spoken to. It's like, okay, God, this is out of the box. I don't know what I'm doing. And so the old framework doesn't work anymore. And so we're constantly seeking God. It's like, okay, what's the new skin? What's the new wineskin that you're building here? Because you're about to pour something in it, and I'm about to release from it in a way that we've never done before. And so that is what I'm seeing in a common thread. And I've got clients across the medical industry, journalism, real estate, people who are high level up in MLMs, all kinds of different people, faith-based people who God is saying, do things my way, and let's make a bigger difference than what you could if you were doing it on your own.
0: Wow. That's so timely. It is. How can people find out more about you?
1: So the best way to get a hold of me is in the link that I shared. It's SherilynDecker.com forward slash real faith. And that will have all the resources that you need to get a hold of me. All of my social handles are my name, Sherilyn Decker, and that's C-H-E-R-L-Y-N. So when Decker. And then my Facebook handle is the only one that's different. And that's Coach Sherilyn. And there, every week, I provide a Wednesday word drop. And I do this for myself. I take a word of God, word from the Lord, someplace where He says, "I will, some promise that He has, and I flip it into a declaration, and I just do it live. And so that's every Wednesday. Um, I do that on my Facebook page and just share that. I want to show people how easy it is. And I want to show people that i that this is what I do. I mean, I seriously do this every week. And so that's one you know free resource. And then I have all kinds of other courses and, um, and things. And of course, I'm a coach.
0: Okay, well, let's finish up. I'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please.
1: Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for what you've done already, for the stirring of hearts about the identity work that you want to do. And those who are hearing the sound of our voice today, because we know that the Holy Spirit whispers to us and they're like, hey, you, that's for you where we hear something and it tugs on our heart in such a way that we're like, hey God, I have a hole in my heart there. Would you please fill it? So we bring every single one that are listening, that are in the sound of my voice. And I pray that you bless them, that you pour out who you are on them. Because when we know who you are, there's nothing in this world that will satisfy us. And when there's something that we need You are the I am for that. And Father, I pray for those that are struggling with provision right now, that you just would let them hold on to the anchor of my testimony, God, and that you would show up in their life in the most amazing, undeniable way that's like, there's no way I did that. That is all God, because your testimonies, Lord, set us free of ourselves and our ability to try to do it our own way. So I thank you that who you are. I thank you that in your goodness, you are just so good, God. You are just so good. So I pray, Lord, that this has just been a taste and see that the Lord is good and that it will draw men unto you because that is where true life is found. And that is where our callings are made manifest in what you can do through us because of what you've done in us. Thank you for the work that you've started. I pray blessing on them. Father, and I pray that you continue to bless Brian and this podcast, continue to open doors for him to have guests on that will just deliver powerfully for those who you've called to listen and bless his business and all that he puts his hands to. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Sherilyn, for being on the program. It was a privilege and an honor.
1: Thank you, Brian, for having me. Hey
0: everyone, thanks for listening